Before the episode starts, I just wanted to chime in and say that originally this episode was longer, but things ran quite a bit too long, so it's been cut down. If you hear us talk about more honorable mentions, there were some, but that will now be a Patreon exclusive. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, scroll down to the description and there will be a link, but here's the show. I hope you enjoy. What's up and welcome back to Broside Broadcast. My name's Derek. And my name is Blake. And today we are bringing you our album of the year. In years past, we've brought you our top five albums of the year, but we decided to narrow it down to our absolute favorite this year. Yeah, it's going to be one album that stood out among the rest for the whole year, which is pretty hard to choose. I mean, this was not an easy process to say that this one album was my favorite or the best. This was pretty hard. For me, it was easy. I will say, so I I want this to be the last year where the album of the year is an easy selection for me because Mm -hmm. I know from this year, maybe last year, and even in 2021, there's been like one particular album that's been released that our listeners will hear me talk about, talk about it in Discord, and it's like, okay, Derek, we get the point. (laughs) You like this album. We know where you're going with this. We already know what it is. But we're going to hear you talk about it. And I'm very interested because you haven't shared a lot about it with me. And I'm ready to just let you uh, divulge all the information. And same for yours. Like, you'll talk to me about music and I think I have an idea. Mm -hmm. And then, like, it gets to time to actually do this episode. I'm like... I didn't hear you talk about this. Right. So but that's it comes because, right out of left field. Right. But that's because we're saving a little bit of the content for the show. I can't, you know, dish it all out. Blake is a schemer. Yeah. I'm scheming. <laughs> that's what Blake is. I'm scheming. <laughs> I didn't really want to attach myself to any release too much and then just get bummed out if it didn't turn out as good as I hoped, I guess. Looking at Beartooth specifically. (laughs) I was going to say something about that. Like there were some albums that were anticipated for me, but they didn't deliver. You know, that's my fault for hyping it up a little bit, but it's also their fault for not delivering. So I'll be honest, as far as the new Beartooth album goes, we both really loved Riptide. Mm -hmm. We talked about that on several episodes And then more singles just started coming out. The name of the album came out. The artwork came out. And it just never stuck. But that is content for our bonus episode, which you have to subscribe on Patreon. That won't be this episode. Mm -hmm. So if you want to hear more of our thoughts on... Shitting shitting on albums that weren't good this year. (laughs) Not (laughs) shitting on it, but... I was just trying to entice them. We want to at least have a conversation, maybe not publicly. Mm-hmm. We want to talk to our fans, our listeners, who have a real interest in what we have to say, because we're not going to shit on them. No, no. I was kidding. But I do want to say some things that everyone knows that we're coming from a good place. I had an anticipated album that was a disappointment, and there was also an album released that could have won me over for the band that definitely made me continue to not be a fan so what is your next honorable mention for this year 
So this is my album before, my number one. And it's actually an EP. And I'm actually tired of saying album because I think I say it weird. And I've been listening to my say, myself say album. I think I'm going to start saying record for the next couple of episodes. Just so I can have a break from the word album. So this is an, e- this is an EP. And it's the band Psychoframe. The EP is called Remote God Seeker. My favorite song off this album is Dragging Nazarene, if I am pronouncing it correctly. I was blown away whenever you said that this was one of your favorites because <laughs> it was in 21 that you had no screaming in your favorites. And then last year, it was way heavier. Mm-hmm. I went the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. I kind of had more mellow songs. And in 23, you are back <laughs> to some pretty brutal deathcore. This stuff is brutal. Like- I, I turned this on and... This immediately made me think of Suicide Silence, The Cleansing. Which which is a point that I made not knowing that because I had a point that this sounds like old deathcore, but with better production, it sounds like something I wanted to hear back in the day, but we never got. So it it's just... Okay, so whenever Suicide Silence released The Cleansing was whenever deathcore was not cool. Oh, right, right. And now... Deathcore is cool. It's gone through a whole renaissance. But the snare sound on this EP is amazing. It makes you nostalgic. It's nostalgic. It is a tight snare that's the perfect snare for Deathcore. The blast beats, the guitar work, the assault. It's an absolute assault of pitch harmonics and disgusting vocals and breakdowns. Just relentless, heavy deathcore at its finest and the thing that i like about it is we've been getting well-produced clean deathcore for a few years now because it's gone through the renaissance and now that the scene is like primed for deathcore this feels like it's the right time to come out with this Mm -hmm. because i think one of the issues with it getting i guess clean or like so perfect is that it's kind of lost its deathiness, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The thing that made like Suicide Silence so good back in the day was that it kind of sounded scary. Right. And this sounds scary. It's terrifying. But like in a good way. <laughs> this is the kind of music that your parents warned you about. Oh, yeah. They don't know. You don't play this for anyone. It sounds like complete murder. And the lyrics, I've looked them up. They are pretty violent. I haven't looked too much more into them, but it just sounds like complete destruction and disgusting violence. And I don't think anything released this year hits as hard as this. So I have a theory of why you may like this and why I've kind of started leaning more towards deathcore. Break it down for me. So you have ADHD. I also have ADHD. Diagnosed since four years old. Let's go. And I think it's because this music is so chaotic 
that it's stimulating your brain. Oh my God. Because it really doesn't leave any space at all. You figured it out. I'm going to talk to my psychiatrist about this. I genuinely believe like that's what makes us attracted to specifically like this. And it makes so much sense. Maybe why I kind of tune out some of the uh, better produced deathcore mm-hmm. because not that I'm like even in a place to be a purist when it comes to deathcore by any means, but right. I just think that, you know, this is the roots of what the genre is. And this is kind of what I'm nostalgic for. It hits on a couple of different things. And there are reasons psychologically that we listen to music and why we listen to music and what types of sounds we're attracted to. And that definitely, what you're saying, definitely resonates with, you know, the attention span that we have plus the music taste that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, and this album just delivers in a perfect way where the dopamine just keeps just keeps going. I think that's some of my issue with like some music is that it's just not stimulating. It's not maybe necessarily my taste. It's just my mind wants to go at one speed and the music is going at a different speed. And it's like running on a treadmill. Yeah. Maybe your legs can't keep up or it, the the track is just going too slow. Well, I thrive in chaos and, you know, I work in fast environments and my brain is always going fast. That's why sometimes when I speak, I pause a lot because my brain's going too fast and I can't really catch up. So one of our listeners actually made this point to me like maybe two or three weeks ago. So it's perfect that you're mentioning this now. What did they say? Basically exactly what you just said. Word for word. That I pause sometimes? <laughs> no, no, about like they can tell that the thoughts are in your head. Oh, yeah. And your mouth is trying to catch up. So that's perfect. There we go. Yeah. Exposed. <laughs> but I would like to draw a parallel between the late 2000s deathcore and the 1990s basketball to modern deathcore and today's NBA. Because for me, it's tempting to argue that there's more talent now both in the NBA and also in the music scene. Okay. I see where you're going with this. We've had a conversation recently. Yeah. Had to do with Will Ramos Mm -hmm. doing a cover. You know where I'm going with this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although that there's more talent now in the NBA, in music, talent alone just doesn't guarantee a better product or a better experience. Because we take that talent for granted, Mm -hmm. I guess, because you get used to it. You don't fully appreciate it, or maybe you over-appreciate it to a point to where you speak down on the past. Because, like, yes, there may be basketball players doing things that Michael Jordan did in the 90s that seemed crazy. That doesn't mean that what he did wasn't any more crazy the game has just changed. A lot like deathcore is changed. And you don't get to modern deathcore if you didn't have the OG right. deathcore 15 years ago. Right. And I completely get this analogy because I was talking to someone about this concerning football. It's, it's like athletes are extremely more talented uh, these days, but mm-hmm. it's what are you really bringing to the table as, as an athlete? You know, Odell Beckham Jr. is, do, is known for the one-handed catch, you know, it's, but 
it has to start somewhere. You know, the things that players achieved in the 90s may not be as impressive today due to changes in the game. But they were impressive then. Yeah, just everything in context. Right. I'll just say that. Ollie Sykes doing his performance <laughs> on Pray for Plagues in 2005, that was impressive back then. Right. I'm, I know someone's going to probably disagree with me. That's fine. But what he did was amazing back then. Right. You can listen to Pray for Plagues right now and say that it sounds like shit but like you said take it in the context listen to that album if i listen to that it's nostalgic for me i know it sounds bad yeah because that's what it sounded like back then but to me it sounds good Mm -hmm. because i was there i don't mean to get into the get off my lawn territory (laughs) but there just wasn't the vocal Mm -hmm. techniques or we didn't have the knowledge of vocal techniques 15 years ago that we have we've learned how to scream properly with technique and i'm not just pinpointing will ramos i'm just speaking you know broad strokes across the genre in total is that yes of course someone can technically perform something better now but we've had 15 years to learn That'd be like saying that the first iPhone was crap. Well, yeah, maybe 15 years after it came came out. out. But at the time, it was one of the largest technical achievements. And it's crazy because I think I told you this before, but whenever I saw the iPhone for the first time, I was in such disbelief that you can touch a screen. And we've gotten way off topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just to bring it back around is that it's nice to hear a band come back to this sound because this sound was was never bad in the first place. This is the kind of hardcore, deathcore metal sound that I like the most. And good deathcore albums like this that I like are few and far between. Like I, there's a, a deathcore, hardcore album by Abacab that I love and I will always listen to mm-hmm. that album no matter what. And I just have very few heavy, really extremely heavy albums like this that I like that I like. And I was just so excited to add this to that list of very few albums that I can listen to that are this heavy. And I think that some of my reluctancy to listening to some of the newer Death Core coming out is because it lacked some of the traits that this album offers. And it's not trying to like write lyrics mm-hmm. of I opened up a portal to another world and became a god. And, (laughs) you know, it's not trying to be esoterical because it's like every lyricist now is just some stoic, all-knowing god. And it's like, you know, maybe I don't need esotericism all the time. I have so much fun with this album that there was like a point where I didn't care what the lyrics were. And there's one song, I think it's uh, track number four where I just pretend he says ass balls, Ray Charles. They should make a shirt. That says that. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you that they would sell them. I'm not sure how many, but they would sell some later on. I'll show you. I'll show you the part of the song and mm. it's where he says ass balls, Ray Charles. <laughs> You can't un you can't unhear it after that. 
So other than dragging Nazarene, I know we went on mm-hmm. a bit of a tangent it was, there. It was a good tangent. Guitar tone, drums, vocals, like literally everything is there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they, they keep this because I thought that this was the sound that Darko was going to do. Well, Darko definitely, this has much more of a raw sound. It has, like we like you said, it's, it has that nostalgic sound, but it's it's a little more polished, like recorded in a garage, but sounds amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's straight to the point, Deathcore, with a polished production. But not too polished. And that's what I like about it. Dusted. Like dusted off. <laughs> yeah. I like that. They just sprayed a little bit of pledge on it, dusted it off a little right. bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It swiffered it. Or, um, yeah, dry swiffer, not the wet one. But did you have anything else for this album? EP. Or EP, right. release, record? I just think that this EP is... <laughs> extended <laughs> play. What, if, if you didn't know, EP is extended play. LP is long play. Which mm-hmm. means the same thing. Why isn't it? Why is an EP shorter if it's if it's extended and L an LP long play? Well, there were there were singles, and then I'm guessing the seven inch was for EPs, which would be extended from a single, and then you have a long play. That makes sense. Okay. Maybe, but the EP is an example of keeping it simple and straightforward with a gimmickless approach. I just appreciate this album for what it is. I think the band itself was surprised by how much notoriety that it got. And I know it's also a lot of people's favorite EPs or albums of the year. It's all semantics. It's all semantics. But check it out. It's awesome. It's heavy as fuck. And when somebody says, what's the heaviest thing you listen to? I show them this. Also, fun fact, one of the vocalists is the vocalist for mood ring and he does the deep growls so if you like mood ring they're completely opposite from this band but check them out anyway i think this band will probably blow up next year whenever like people actually have a second to like get off you know the big names Mm -hmm. that they listen to this year so i think we'll see a delayed reaction to them and then people will act like the way they did with Sleep Token and be like, oh, I didn't know they existed. <laughs> it's like, well, they've they've been releasing music, but late's better than never. So we should move on and go to, uh, I guess we're going to do our number one, our number ones, or our, our albums of the year, the AOTYs, all caps. I just want your thought for a second, maybe in okay. just a sentence. What do you think whenever people are saying AOTY in March? You're too soon, bro. That's what I think. Okay. I tried to have a good sentence for you. So do you want to go first or I'll go I'll go I'll go ahead and then I want you to end the episode. All right. You talk better. <laughs> Thank you. I think I have good words. You have nice words. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take our first break. All right. And we'll continue this conversation when we come back. This episode is proudly sponsored by Cold Brew, your ultimate solution for satisfying your cold brew coffee cravings. Picture this, a delightful cold brew experience that's smooth, rich, and expertly crafted all at your fingertips. 
Cool Brews Premium Coffee Concentrates provide the pure essence of freshly brewed coffee without any hassle. The pre-measured bottle ensures you get the perfect amount every time. Isn't that like the best part about it? That's right. And the thing that I love about their cold brew is that you get to make it as strong or I guess as weak as you'd like. Because what you get from like other brands is just weak. This stuff is super strong. I mean, I put it directly on ice. Like as if I was maybe like drinking like uh, like a straight whiskey on ice. This is how I put my coffee. I mean, it's got the kick you need. It tastes fresh. It tastes better than every other cold brew I've had. And whether you're a fan of the classic cold brew taste or you just want other flavors like vanilla or toasted almond or hazelnut, cold brew has an option tailored just for you. That's right, they even have a decaf variant for those looking to enjoy an experience without the caffeine. And like you said, hazelnut is absolutely one of my favorites. I love the vanilla option. This season, I'm looking to incorporate a lot of the peppermint mocha into recipes or things that I'm going to use for our holiday season. And I like the decaf because I drink a lot of energy drinks. So the fact that I can have this and get to enjoy coffee and not have to worry about too much caffeine, that's just chef's kiss. Dive into their range today and enhance your coffee experience. Cheers to embracing delightful coffee moments with cool brew. And back to the show. Here we go. All right, so drum roll. My number one album of the year 2023 is The Noble Art of Self-Destruction by Holding Absence, or as I would like to say, presented by Holding Absence. Doesn't that change the whole vibe of an album whenever it's the album cover says presented by, I know this one doesn't, but the album before that they released, The Greatest Mistake of My Life, is a huge title on the cover of the album, and it says underneath that, underneath that, as presented by Holding Absence. I remember that, yeah. It's as if they're giving like a thematic show or something that is larger than just songs it's going to be something a little more cohesive and a one complete thought or a story that album was called the greatest mistake of my life so this is a proper follow-up and tell us more about it blake i had low expectations this is one of those examples of what I talked about earlier, having an anticipated album and being disappointed, and then maybe having lower expectations for a new release and it blowing all other albums out of the water. What made this album even better for me is that I saw them live this year in New Orleans, and I saw a few bands this year, but Holding Absence was absolutely the best band that I've seen in a long time. Their performance is just amazing. Lucas, the front man, just really has a lot of passion. 
performing live, but then you can also hear it and it translates through the album or in the songs. Just like the uh, album artwork for this is really intriguing because it's a picture of a woman just from her nose down and Mm -hmm. there's golden cracks. And then you just have handwritten the noble art of self-destruction. It's a great album cover. And this is one of those things that checks the boxes of why is it the the best album for you. And album artwork also is something that plays into that because it gives you a visual to what you're listening to. Right. But what's even crazier about this album artwork is I didn't pay much attention to it until I started paying attention to the lyrics. So whoever made this album artwork definitely heard the lyrics before they made this. And me and you actually had opposite interactions with this album. You listened to it pretty much throughout the year, right? Yep. You didn't dive too deep into the lyrics until recently. Right. Whereas I didn't exactly have the time to listen to this album, which I know that sounds ridiculous. It's only 42 minutes. But the way that I like to approach music is I'd, I'd love to just dive right in and right get obsessed. But I did have time to read the lyrics. So I think it's kind of an interesting point. You're just now getting to them. Mm-hmm. I'm jumping to the lyrics. So whenever I actually get to like listening to the music, it's going to be a full experience. And I already know from a lyric standpoint, and I brought it up before on previous episodes that like if I can fill the lyrics, it makes me appreciate the music that much more. So you read the lyrics, but you didn't listen to it yet. I listened to probably the first three or four songs enough. And then I got to a point where I just needed to know what this album was. Mm -hmm. There was one specific point that I was able to compare it to. And it was the uh, older day song by resolve that we had talked about, Mm -hmm. but this, this album is called The Noble Art of Self-Destruction. And it kind of, this album talks about having to go through low points. That way you can appreciate the higher points. Right. And maybe it's because I'm getting older. And maybe, you know, if there's some 20-something-year-old out there that fully, like, gets what this album means they're in a better spot than i was in my 20s i don't remember having existential crisis whenever i was in my 20s that's exactly what this album is is absolutely and i'm glad that you picked up on that as much as i did Um, I, i probably dug a little too deep into the lyrics at some point and probably steered myself in the wrong direction with what i thought he was trying to convey but i think i got pretty close but it's also the matter of how does it relate to you, like you said, with the song that it related to uh, older days. But in this album, he talks a lot about some introspective things that really just bring you in with the music. So, and I want to I want to mention the music too. And it's hard to describe holding absence as music. It's very modern alternative emo rock and it somehow fits into the metalcore genre and I don't know how and I think maybe there was an interview with Lucas that he had to answer the question why people put them in a metalcore category 
It's strange. Well, from what I remember, they had, before they took this more melodic direction, they were playing heavier stuff. I think it was on their self-titled album in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I I checked out a song or two of them back in the day when before they released The Greatest Mistake of My Life. I just didn't care for it. There's one song called Gravity that's that's pretty good, but they found their sound after that album. Let's see. Gravity was a single in 2020, so okay. it was after that album. I always wonder if when a band's writing music and they write the one song that changes the way they sound from that point on because gravity seems to be that direction. There was gravity and then there was birdcage, which came about two weeks later. I, I believe from what I can see. So they took a shift and it works out because no one else sounds like them. This band stands out that way because they're just emotionally sonic and angelic with a powerful sound all the way through there. It's just really hard to describe because it, it's so powerful. Also live, it translates that way too. You're seeing them live was like hearing the album in my, in my earbuds. And going back to the whole ADHD thing is this is not chaotic by any means. No, this is the complete opposite of Psycho Frame. It's the exact opposite. There's melody and a lot of the songs you've, you have said this before on other music before, but this song has space. Mm -hmm. There's never a point where like a guitar part is distracting you from the vocal melody. There's never a part where the drums are just doing something that is confusing. Every part is very well written. The songs are constructed. And because the vocals are so strong, it makes it a lot easier to focus on that. And Mm -hmm. if he were a bad vocalist, it would be much easier (laughs) to tell from the get-go. But like the lyrics Mm -hmm. are something else that you go to and can focus on. Well, he's a God-tier vocalist with the ability to write amazing lyrics as well. And I couldn't have said it better, Derek. You, you you hit the nail on the head there. When the music is like this, there's nothing to hide behind. Right. And I actually had to go back and listen to each instrument individually so I can give it that attention. The drums, the bass, the guitar. That's what I do with movements. <laughs> I just love it because like the instrumentals are not insane. All the instruments in the in these songs are just to not be underappreciated. And when the song as a whole sounds perfect, it deserves that attention to go back and listen to every instrument or every part of the song. It doesn't take that long to get the talent to play it, but it takes a long time to learn the songwriting skills to write it. You know, it, it, it could be so easy, and I... Maybe not so easy, but it's not very easy to write metalcore songs. But I could imagine how much more difficult it would be to structure a song like this, write a song the way they do. It's much more difficult because whenever I've like not written metal things, like I said, there there's nothing to hide behind. I think this band is just very cohesive. And at this point, they are more than on the same page. They're just reading the same book. That takes me back to an A Day to Remember song. Oh, yeah? Same book, but never the same page. So 
It's just very cohesive and it's a smooth listen. You can start from the first song until the end. And by the time I got to the lyrics, the album had a completely different meaning for me. And I do want to touch the lyrics a little bit before we get onto your your pick of the year. But Sure. So what I got out of it, and I'll ask if you got the same thing, is that it's an introspective self-conviction of mind over matter and becoming the best version of oneself. I think he paints this picture throughout the record, taking you through his own battles and processing the mental struggle of self against self. I think that's the perfect way to put it, honestly. <laughs> right on. Speaking of books, okay. So what what if albums had a little epilogue on the case? That would be amazing. I would love that. I don't, why, that's like extra content, you know, like, that's why we buy records, you know, just for the extra stuff. See, that's a question that we used to ask whenever we did album reviews, is if you saw this in a record store, just based off the artwork, would you pick this up? Hell yeah, brother. And compared to, (laughs) compared to other artwork, especially stuff that I saw this year, like this stands out. So, you know, if if it had your description of what you just said on top of it, it's like, how can you not pick that up? So in this case, you should judge a book by its cover because <laughs> all the pages in between, right. every single song is a chapter and tells a story. Lyrical content is, is very subjective. You know, it can mean one sentence can mean something completely different for someone but you can also hear Lucas's story and you can apply it to yourself if you want, or you can just, you can vicariously live through his story or apply it to yourself is what I'm saying. Right. Because he's questioning, I feel like he's questioning existence at some point. I also tried to connect it to like Star Wars at one point because... I, yeah, you, you text this to yeah. me and I was curious. Did you check that out? I did not, no. Okay, well, there's a Star Wars comic book series, and I do have a collection of Star Wars comic books that I never told you about that I thought would have been interesting. Knights of the Old Republic. Interest has peaked. Yeah. I love that video game. That's one of my favorite video games of all time. Star Wars comics are actually really awesome. Um, But I I found that there is... Because he keeps referencing moons, and uh, I think that he is maybe questioning a god Mm -hmm. or heaven and hell, and there's a correlation to the same moon and that he's referencing, which is the blue dot. And I researched it, and it's the Star Wars moon. And okay, it'll start. It's going to start getting convoluted. But if what I'm saying is if someone listening now wants to check into that i will be checking more into it to see but go have fun with that this is just like that extra cherry on top like imagine you get a really nice dessert at a restaurant yeah and it's perfect and then they just come Mm -hmm. out with like the edible gold flakes and just start sprinkling that on top oh because like the gold on the album cover exactly yeah they take the album. They take the gold from that painting. And they sprinkle it. I'm probably going to mess up this analogy. I don't know basketball before the '90s that well, but 
that was like mm-hmm. I was Magic Johnson and I just like lobbed that right. up and your Kareem Abdul Jabbar mm-hmm. and you just like slam dunk that. That's what happened. Or um like uh Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so <laughs> But for a second, I I really want to know this. Uh, this might sound stupid. The gold flakes that they put, Pete, like culinary artists put on food, it's a, mm-hmm. that's real gold, right? Yes. You can eat that? Yeah, you can eat that. So for like Phantom, you know, uh-huh. I still want to make like the most fancy version. And I wanted to make a Phantom maple saffron. And I want... That's super And bougie. I wanted to put gold, edible gold in that. <laughs> Do you poop it out? I guess. Then you could say you shit gold. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) This is bro side after dark. As I also question existence often, I felt that this was the slam dunk, the cherry on top of the album that I already did like and love, had in my top three for the year. Reading the lyrics just really brought it home for me and you know it's it kind of makes you feel like you're not alone in your own head that other people have these really deep existential thoughts and you can't put them like personally for myself I can't put them into these beautifully structured words and especially when they're in a song they come they're a little they're way more powerful because there's melody and passion behind it but it just makes me feel better yeah in a way maybe it's cathartic is what i'm trying to say it it scratches an itch that you don't know how to scratch right because you can't reach it yeah so how did you feel about the lyrics on this you pretty much summed it up better than what i could have but all right i i do have one more question did you buy the vinyl of this no it's gonna happen I think I got some Christmas money. Okay. But what I got from the album from start to finish, what I've concluded is that you're breaking yourself down inside with the intentions of building yourself up. And that's something that I've always done in my life personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like it's a sense of integrity and, you know, you're questioning all these things, but making sure that you are keeping your head on straight, even though when it's not, it's not always straight. I will say I just went to their website and I want you to check this out because this looks so sick. Oh my God. So what we're looking at is the deluxe edition box set and clear and gold cloudy effect. So at least, you know that like the best variants of this did not sell out. Absolutely. They have some really cool merch. Their merch yeah. is nice. Full support from Broside Broadcast. Holding Absence is a an, an S-tier band. Yeah, I don't see any other bands putting in this kind of effort. And I can only see them like continuing to get big. They have 1.2 million monthly listeners, which is already very impressive. I think in a past episode... I talked about the song in circles from their album previous to this. Yes. And I said that it, the the sound of this band was, or is as big as U2 is. 
And I can see a band with a sound that big and powerful being as successful and famous as you too. I just don't know how this type of alternative music could get that mainstream. They would have to start writing not as good songs. I don't know. I have one word for it. TikTok. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure you want this to go that route. Not that route. Yeah. That's not the route. No. Because they, they absolutely deserve the attention. Yeah. A, a genuine following because I don't think that a disingenuous, I think that's the word, uh, fan base would <laughs> really mix well with something this genuine. And I mean, Lucas is a pretty attractive dude. You you have a very, a very charismatic front man, you know. If you ever watch his music videos, they're pretty they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. But Lucas always has this very like sultry, sexy stare. Mm-hmm. As a white straight man, <laughs> oh no, I get a little excited. He's got blue eyes. I don't know. Whenever someone says, "As a white straight man," I get nervous. <laughs> Like we said, there's continuity in our episodes. Yeah, and if you're listening to this right now and you're just in the Discord, if you mention that part, 25 XP. 25 XP. If you know, you know. I feel like that's fair. We're we're about to stop giving out XP so uh, generously. Yeah. Going to have to earn those extra songs on the weekly playlist. That's right, because that's work for me. All right. Well, did you have anything else for holding absence? No, man. Thanks for uh, giving attention to my number one album. I appreciate you checking into it, and I hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as I did all year. Whenever you want to take a break from your number one album that you're about to talk about. I don't think you told me a favorite song off this album before we move on. It's going to be either False Dawn or Liminal. Okay. Probably False Dawn. That's the one that has the really good lyrics, too. Those two songs are the ones that the lyrics and the music hit the best. All right. Well, you heard it from Blake, Falston and Liminal. But I can say it for myself, just from re- reading the lyrics, listen to this from start to finish. All right, Derek. So the time has come. The big surprise. The surprise that's not too big of a surprise for anyone who has listened to the uh, recent episodes. But that's okay. Because maybe someone's here listening for the first time. And if you are listening for the first time and you've got through all this nonsense, then I'm happy to share my (laughs) album of the year with you. That's right. Keep listening. However, I'm not done with your album of the year yet. I have some fun facts for you. Oh, okay. I'm intrigued. So the producer for Holding Absence is Dan Weller. Okay. And when Dan Weller was in his band back in the day... They recorded with a producer named Colin Richardson. Mm -hmm. So because of Dan's interest in recording music and stuff, that's how he got started. Because after that, he started recording his band's music. But he recorded Holding Absence. Yes, Dan Weller did. Okay. So Colin Richardson just so happened to be a mentor to a guy named Carl Bown. And Carl Bown was the producer for Sleep Token's new album. And that's my album of the year, is Sleep Token's album, Take Me Back to Eden. Oh, 
What a way to bring it together. Yes. So I love that. I did my nice. research. Wow, we're uh, our albums are connected. The producer for your favorite album and the producer for my favorite album had the same, I guess, mentor in a way. So for Sleep Token, their first two albums were produced by George Lever. But this album, like I mentioned before, was produced by Carl Bown at Treehouse Studio. And Carl Bown has worked with other bands like Bring Me the Horizon, Malevolence, and several different artists that people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. So he has quite the pedigree. And I feel like a producer, that's really important for a producer to have to work with a band like Sleep Token. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with some extreme talent. Not just... Some talent, their anonymity, because that's extremely right. important. Stop trying to figure out who they are. The drummer did an interview. Oh, did he? Yeah, but his voice was... Um, like a voice mask? Modified. Yeah. And everyone tried to slow it down mm-hmm. to try to pick apart like every a- aspect of his voice. Like it doesn't matter, especially you like his drum parts, just like his drum parts. I like his drum parts. His drum parts are amazing. I like to watch the drum videos. You know what? If it turned out that Blake was Sleep Token's drummer, it wouldn't change anything. I still like the drum parts. Y'all would listen to the podcast more. <laughs> Maybe. But there's a term, let's go into this album, I guess. Let's do it. So it's very difficult to pinpoint what this band's genre is. That's the common theme. And I like that. That's fun. I love that. Not only do you not know who they are, you can't describe what they sound like. So when I was talking to mythical chef Josh... Last night, we had a metalcore conversation. We brought up Sleep Token mm-hmm. with his friends and, and myself. And she didn't know what the genre was. And it was so funny that she asked what kind of music right. it was because she said, is it metalcore? And we said, well, yes, but no. <laughs> and I said, it's shoegazy, kind of sounds like Deftones and Jamiroquai, which Josh agreed. Right. And I'll be honest, I don't even know what that word means. Jamiroquai? Yeah. Virtual insanity. That's all. Okay. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> but there's a term that's been thrown around in the NBA called positionless basketball. And I know you've got into basketball kind of in the last year or two. Have you heard that be thrown around? That sounds familiar, yeah. But I, I won't be able to tell you. For all of our listeners who don't, watch sports it means that while you may have the structure or like a traditional position say you're a point guard or you're a small forward or center basically your talents ex- your talents and your effort exceeds those roles mm-hmm. you, you just don't fall into this cookie cutter thing you do more outside of what your position typically calls for for anyone who is into the NFL and doesn't pay much attention to NBA as much. He's referring to the Taysom Hill of football. It's also kind of like Tim Tebow. Yes, he was a quarterback, but he also did a lot of... (laughs) He praying. 
<laughs> not that wrong wrong kind oh. of worship with sleep token oh okay <laughs> a pocket knife band or a swiss army knife a swiss yeah. army knife there but just the way this album weaves in and out of different genres is just remarkable and this band doesn't have to worry about a lack of dynamics at any point because these songs are written in a way that it forces you to pay attention. I have to completely agree. I don't think it's any secret. I don't have to say it. I don't have to tell other people that this was Sleep Token's breakout album because Mm -hmm. the summoning just got viral success. And while this band was already doing things in the first place to get fans and put the quality in into their writing, their performances. I think their viral success solidifies that, that bands shouldn't undervalue the potential that one's one song can have on their career. Meaning that bands should put effort into all of their work because you never know when one could just pop off. Being persistent and, be persistent, but be consistent. And con- Yes, absolutely. Keep doing what you're doing if you feel like you're doing it right. And right with intentionality. I'm not even sure if that's a word, honestly. Mm-hmm. Nope. It's, it's going to be a bro side word. We make up words here. It's English language. I mean, you can do that. That's why it's so hard to learn English because we make, make that shit up all the time. Bro side after dark. Right. Which Sleep Token's British. That's so. true. But the lyrical content of the album delves into just complexities of relationships and just a vivid spectrum of emotions from love and passion to just dark corners of toxicity and heartbreak. And here I am with the thesaurus again. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) yes, there's bands that talk about breakups, but not at this level. It's, oh, you broke my heart, and this is the end. I'll never be the same. The way it's presented is there's a whole lore behind Mm -hmm. it. I'm not here to explain that lore. I vaguely understand it myself. Each song in this album just acts as a lyrical brushstroke, and each song just contributes to the masterpiece I typically hate. When people call something a masterpiece, I think that it's overused, but I think it's fair to call your album Holding Absence and also this album Masterpiece because Mm -hmm. I think for what the albums are in these bands' career, it's their best piece of work to date because they put in their best effort. They've mastered their art. Yes, so it's a Hence, masterpiece. It's a piece That's what of masterpiece mast- <laughs> means. Yeah. Th- thank you. Right, exactly. I just wanted to justify you saying that, saying that. I've never heard you say the word masterpiece before, so. That doesn't mean that I am just in love with every song. I have a lot of notes, but I just want to kind of go into the conversation of this band is not for everyone. Okay. I know it's not for you. But some of the songs are. Which songs do you like? I like the album uh, Sundowning. Did I say yes. that right? So you like their debut album. I like that album, but I but I absolutely hate the song Sugar off of that album. That's totally fair. Now, I didn't listen to the new album 
mm-hmm. all the way through. I've listened to the singles. I don't like Chokehold. I like the summoning. And then I like one of your other favorite songs. Did you really spend much time with the second album? I got through that album one time. It didn't pull me in like Sundowning did. Okay. So that's my experience with it. I'm not sure what the experience is with all Sleep Token fans. I just remember when they released the single Alkaline, it wasn't my favorite. Mm -hmm. And even now, loving Sleep Token as much as I do, I still have a difficult time with that album. But I think diving into the lyrics, that's just, you know, it's the lyrics are obviously about a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of part of it is that it's not always like a super interesting thing. Right. Like, like you had mentioned, it's not an esoteric thing or something very vague. It's something maybe relatable or something that could help you get into the album, knowing that there's this general idea right, or story being told that's just entertaining. Right. Because, you know, it's a story. So if you think about it like a novel, not every single page is going to be super interesting. Like you, you have to get right. through a lot of world building. Uh, you're just reminding me of like a couple of books that I read that I read where like the f- middle chapters were like exactly. daunting to so get like through. So like that's what the second album is for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I dislike that album. I love hypnosis. I really like distraction. That's part of being a fan of a band. You- and you know what? I can totally understand when someone's not super into them, because the things that make me like them tend to be the things that people don't like. Which I would think people mostly like the heavy parts. And fun fact, whenever I first heard the summoning, I actually disliked it. I remember this. Because I never saw this as being like a heavy band. Because on their first album, Gods, that's just an all heavy song. And I didn't think that it really fit the rest of the album. Now in retrospect knowing that all the songs are all connected. It makes more sense. I still don't love the song, but when it comes to Sleep Token, I don't come to them for the heavy parts. So I kind of initially saw the summoning as kind of being gimmicky to bring in the metal fans, but... Mm -hmm. In context to the album. In context, it totally makes sense. So the album plays out for you the same way that the Holding Absence album played out for me. This, right. The whole thing is cohesive. It it feels like you're having an experience. Exactly. And this album just takes you on a ride. You never experience the same song twice with this band. Right. And because of that, it's like I have a special relationship with each song. I can be sitting around and like a part of a single song will come into my head and I have to listen to that song. I completely agree. Whenever we were talking about Psycho Frame, I just wanted to stop the podcast and go listen to one of the songs. (laughs) And I probably wouldn't put any of these songs in a playlist with other bands because just in comparison, it's, it's kind of like if you were to put them as an opener, which I know they've probably opened shows Mm -hmm. before, but it's like, how do you follow that up? Because my favorites of the year playlist that I had None of their songs were on that. You're also taking a part of the album, which is a part of the story, out of 
the album and putting it in a mix of stuff that doesn't really fit. I'm glad you're picking up what I was trying to say, yeah. Right, you have certain songs that you listen to for certain reasons, workout songs, uh, chill songs, maybe you walk to certain music or you drive to certain music. Those playlists have certain songs. Now, I I would do the same exact thing. I would not take any holding absent song from that album and put it on a playlist because it holds the special place in that album and I want it to stay there because that's the that's the format I listen to it when it comes down to it sleep tokens a band you have to listen to yourself I had so many notes but like you really you hit Mm -hmm. on some of my notes so I'm glad that you picked up nice on uh, some of the ideas that I had because either you're going to like this band or you're not there's no middle and if you don't, that's okay. You're not bothering me. If you don't want to go to their shows, that just makes it easier <laughs> for me to get to the front or buy merch. You can you can stay on Derek's lawn. Yeah, you can stay on my it's lawn. It's fine. Right. I think universally they're, they are liked. And I don't think... I think someone hating Sleep Token might just be going out of their way to do that. If someone said that they hated them... I would just think that they maybe only listen to a song or two. And I guess in that context, it's really hard to understand anything going on with the band. Or maybe they're not even really music fans. That's a hot take. Because if you like music, Sleep Token has something for everyone. I think so. Like They have instrumentals, so if you don't like Vessel's voice... I strongly recommend listening to the instrumentals, which, by the way, I'm still waiting on the instrumental of that just because that means I'll get to experience the album again. One other fun fact is I did not listen to this album probably from May until maybe October just because I had listened to the single so much from the time that they released Mm-hmm. And then whenever I listened to the album, I was sitting on my couch and then I listened to it from start to finish, had headphones in, noise cancellation. The last song came on Euclid and that just felt like the perfect way to tie it up. So I just never really went back to it because I felt like I had like, I guess the closure with the album, which good for the story, but bad for like, right. listening experience, I guess. And I had listened to Euclid because you sent it to me, it was going to be on our top episodes, and I thought that was a great song, and I made some comments on that. But there's something I did this year, fun fact, is that I promised myself I would not listen to the album in its entirety until after we did this episode. Okay. That was my challenge, and I like to challenge myself or just play little games with myself sometimes, and especially with the show. I like to challenge myself for the show and that was the one thing that I swore to not do is listen to that album until we talked about it on this episode. So now I can finally go listen to it. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say. I have certain songs in mind that I want to strongly recommend. I also know that like looking at their Spotify numbers, what some of their less popular songs are. So I'm curious what you'll have to say about those, but 
Mm-hmm. Like I said, not all of these are necessarily a playlist song. I wouldn't necessarily listen to some of the songs off, you know, just individually, like Rain and The Apparition. And then Are You Really Okay? Like those are three songs that I'm just mm-hmm. kind of iffy about, but like it makes sense on the album and it helps the story. So right, it's there. I enjoy it. I'm not going to skip it. I appreciate like interludes or instrumentals that are in albums too. And those are just in context to the albums themselves. You wouldn't necessarily put those kind of songs in playlists. But lately I've just, because I've been, you know, re-experiencing the album for like, I guess the last two months in preparation of this episode, I've been obsessed with the song, Take Me Back to Eden. Mm Mm-hmm. I made the uh, iPod classic background for my phone and I made that the song on it. So it looks like I'm always listening to that. But Ascensionism <laughs> is another amazing song. and uh, I can't wait to hear that song. I've never heard it. And I know that's the one that was liked by yeah. most people. So I, I do want to say we spoke about Real, Will Ramos uh, briefly earlier as far as like the deathcore stuff goes, but him and Elizabeth from the charismatic voice, she has a YouTube channel. I would recommend checking her out. She's a classically trained vocalist. Yeah. And she does like, um, reactions to people's music. And I've watched, I've watched her channel before. Actually, she has some really good videos. I enjoy them. Initially when I checked her out and she was watching Lorna Shore, I wasn't, necessarily sure but like seeing her videos after that and seeing the videos with will i I definitely like her content and um her and will did an analysis of vessel's vocal performance for several songs on this album that i think anyone who really likes sleep tokens music go check those out because hearing it from a musician standpoint of how it was performed makes you listen to it way differently. Right, because you're hearing about the vocal technique and how impressive it it actually is and the amount of talent and range that it takes. It's essentially like watching Gordon Ramsay cook a dinner, except for you are mm-hmm. listening to musicians explain these very specific classically trained vocal techniques that... I'm just going to be honest, no one else in the scene is doing and could not do. And because of the music, like it works in sleep token music, like vibrato and certain classical techniques that they talk about, but Mm -hmm. no other band can really incorporate this into their music and it sound natural. Right. I just think sleep token is one of those special bands that cannot be imitated or recreated. Vessel puts just as much effort into shaping how he's going to sing something as he does writing them. And I think that's a big issue with a lot of music. He has to be one of those visual vocalists Mm -hmm. where they visualize how it's going to sound. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they've ever talked about that on that channel you were talking about. I'm going to send you the links to them or, you know, like I said, it is Elizabeth from the charismatic voice Mm -hmm. and they had another video with another guy that's like a vocal coach 
and uh, he was just blown away. So it's amazing to see like these people who are professionals, even like right. just blown away by the performance. Right, and they're not they're not stuck to any music scene. They vaguely know about metalcore, or they know about metalcore. Well, probably because they do analyze rough vocals mm-hmm. and fry vocals, and they talk about that kind of stuff. But there's you know, there's so much talent in, in our scene and it's just amazing that it gets recognized as actual Mm -hmm. talent and not noise when it's been called, you know, the heavy music or whatever punk Mm -hmm. rock. It's all just been called noise for generations from get off my lawn people. (laughs) Yeah. But now we have people who are actually knowledgeable on the what's the word you use the analytics of breaking down a vocal just performance the technique yeah the technique and yeah. uh there is and one other youtuber mr l boyd music on youtube he did a re- reaction to ascensionism and typically i just do not care for reactions when it comes to music but i sought out reactions from people who were not in the music scene because i wanted to see how they reacted. Yeah. If I do watch one, it'll be someone who has n- no idea what's yeah. going on. That's a genuine reaction. Exactly. To me. And I could tell like both, you know, Elizabeth from charismatic voice and also, um, uh, Mr. L Boyd. They just, it was a genuine reaction. So I really enjoyed it. So check those out. I will put those in the description. Also telling me my future self, when I'm editing this, don't be lazy. Go put those in the description. <laughs> I think that ties up our album of the year episode <laughs> for 2023. Let's do this again. Next year? Next same year. place? Yeah. Same, not, not the same, same time. time. Please. All right. Well, <laughs> like we said at the top of the episode, follow us on Instagram at Broside Broadcast. Also, if you want bonus content like our worst albums of 2023, which we will have coming soon, not tonight, but soon, go ahead and check that out. No obligation, of course. And if you want to join our Discord, the link is in the description. Also, we would love to have you in there. Come show, show us some of the songs that you like and join our weekly playlist. I, I want to... I wanna more songs in my library that are different all right well it's late i'm going to go sleep because i've done my token of duty of talking about music and i'm done holding the absence, my absence of sleep, of sleep. Oh, oh yeah so price update on uh, the sleep token box set that i said was 500 dollars mm-hmm. recently i checked just the other day it's up to 1500 dollars I'll take my $130 Holy Absence album and be fine. Yeah. All right. It's late. We don't know how to end this. Thank you for listening. My name's Derek. And I've been Blake. And you'll hear us next week. Peace out, Girl Scout.